Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that maybe you think you understand, but I see this a lot in my online work that parents get very confused about OCD. And some of it is around some very fundamental things that are important to understand. So I want to talk to you about the differences between obsessions and compulsions in OCD and why it matters. (laughs) And it does matter. And so you might know the difference, but you may not know why it matters. So stick around for this topic because I think it's a fundamental foundational topic that if you have a child with OCD, gosh, you need to know this. And I am here to help explore this with you and tighten up those educational bolts in your toolbox so that you get OCD. Because if you don't get OCD, it doesn't matter how great your child's therapist is, the work is at home. (laughs) I always say that. It's our job to create a therapeutic home environment. It is our job to understand OCD. And, you know, unfortunately we have to, we have to really understand it in a, in a complete way. So my mission is to help you do that. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we get started though, a couple of announcements going on in the AT parenting survival world. Well, first hit subscribe because I make podcast episodes every Tuesday and you might miss them if you are not notified. And I wanted to let you know also that the AT Parenting community, my membership community, is open. This podcast will come out on Tuesday, August 31st. And so the AT Parenting community opened its doors yesterday on the 30th, and it will close its doors on Thursday the 2nd. Very short. And that's on purpose because I have found that it is very distracting to have new members coming in throughout the year. And so I open up the doors a couple of times a year, a few times a year, so that we can just get them all in at one time. And then I keep a waiting list and then we open it up again the next quarter. So if you want to join the AT Parenting Community, you can go to atparentingcommunity.com. You only have a couple of days. And when you go to atparentingcommunity.com, you'll see all the things that members get for the membership. It's $30 membership. And it's really kind of crazy. I get a lot of people who actually email me and are like, wow, that's a crazy amount of stuff that you're offering for less than a copay because it is 24 seven support on tap. It is live classes with me every week. It is a zoom support call every month. It is support group calls for your kids. If they want to, you get access to quite a few of my online classes for free as well. So check it out at atparentingcommunity.com. I think you'll be surprised at all the things that are put in there. Before we jump into this topic today, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD provides online OCD therapy in the US, the UK, Australia, and Canada. And it's really important right now in this time where it's very hard to find OCD therapists especially pediatric OCD therapists. I was talking to a bunch of OCD therapists the other day and all of them were full. All of them had wait lists. There is a huge shortage of OCD therapists in general, and especially that unicorn called a child OCD therapist. But NoCD is filling in the gaps and I appreciate that. 
so you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation, see if NoCD is the right fit for you, and you can do that at treatmyocd.com, and I will leave a link in the show notes. Okay, let's dive into this topic. So, you know, stick with me if you have a good understanding and a good knowledge of OCD, because I'm going to dive deeper, and then you might be like, wait, what? I never really looked at it that way. And you may not, but stick with me. So let's just talk about the basics really quick. OCD in general, and many of you hopefully understand this already, is about having an intrusive thought, an intrusive feeling, or maybe an intrusive image or song stuck in your head and the need to do something or avoid something to get some brief relief. But the more you do or the more you avoid, the bigger the intrusive thought, feeling, or image grows. That is really the skinny version of OCD. And I like to put it in that frame because now you can kind of put any theme, any topic in that first category called obsessions, right? That's the O part of OCD. Oh, it's an intrusive thought or feeling. And I like to add image or song because that's not a thought and sometimes it's not a feeling, right? So I always add to add, like to add that so that those don't get missed. And then it is, you have to have that need to get brief relief by doing something. And those are called compulsions or rituals. We have a couple of different names for these things and that can get confusing. (laughs) So OCD can morph and shift over time, but the general framework of OCD remains the same. Your brain tortures you with an intrusive thought, feeling, image, or song, (laughs) and you have this need to go do or avoid stuff to get some brief relief so you don't get more of those intrusive thoughts or feelings. However, the more you do those compulsions and avoidance can be a compulsion, the bigger those obsessions, intrusive thoughts or feelings grow, right? Makes sense. Now, the problem is some people will say, oh, my daughter has OCD and she has intrusive thoughts. And to me, even just that statement tells me that you're not maybe hundred percent understanding OCD because, or my, my daughter has OCD and her main theme is intrusive thoughts. It's like saying my daughter has a cold and she has a runny nose. Yeah, I bet she does because that's kind of what goes with a cold, right? <laughs> you know. So it's good for us to know the framework of this because parents do get hung up on, they get caught up in the themes. And I did a whole podcast episode on themes and that was episode 212. So it wasn't really that long ago, actually. We're in episode 225. So I'm not going to dive into themes in why they're great and why they're bad, why they're controversial even in the OCD community, but definitely listen to that episode after this or the next time you listen to my podcast, because that's another good, really foundational conversation about understanding how OCD themes and anxiety themes are important and aren't important and why you want to know them, how they'll help you in developing ERP or challenges for your child, and also how they can hurt you and how to be aware of that so that you don't get the con part of the pros and cons of understanding themes. But back to our topic at hand. So when our child has obsessions, a lot of times we focus on the obsession component. We say, oh my gosh, my daughter's having intrusive thoughts about harming herself, harm OCD. We have like little cute, not really cute, but we have little like quick nicknames for these things, which I talk about in my, my other podcast episode. And we want those intrusive thoughts or feelings to stop. And we focus on that. And we say, how do we make these things stop for my daughter? Or how do we make these things stop for my son? I don't want him 
to look at his food and think it's disgusting because that's an obsession too. Total side note, but sometimes it's an intrusive feeling and that intrusive feeling is disgust. Did a whole podcast episode on that as well. Episode 190, another good foundational podcast if you're not understanding why your child has OCD because they don't seem to have a fear. They seem to be grossed out a lot. Or maybe you think you haven't dug deep enough for their core fear because all your child says is it's gross. And guess what? For a lot of us, we've hit the core fear. The core fear is disgust. And the fear is having that feeling, right? So I am going a little bit on a tangent in an effort to educate you as we go. So when we focus on the obsession, the O part of OCD, we are really missing the boat because when we're talking about how to help a child or an adult with OCD, we're actually focusing on the C, the compulsion, the ritual. That's the part we're focusing on. We cannot control what intrusive thoughts or feelings we have or our children have. Those show up. That's physiological. OCD will scan their world, their environment, what they love, what they like, what's important to them, what are their values, what are their fears, and it'll present those in a platter and create obsessions, intrusive thoughts or feelings around those things. It doesn't always have to be that way. It could just be like, things are just not right, right? That's a feeling. It just doesn't feel right. And so I have to keep doing things over and over again until it feels just right. That's the obsession. But the compulsion is the action or the avoidance. So what am I doing or what is my child doing to reduce those intrusive thoughts or feelings? That's the C part, right? That's the compulsion. Often parents don't focus on the C part, the compulsion. That's the only part we get to control. So we aren't trying to rationalize the O part of OCD. And this is where it gets hairy scary, right? Because we can have a lot of mental health therapists. And I want to tell you more than not, not to scare you, but more than not, we'll try to talk to OCD. They will try to rationalize with OCD. They will try to reframe their thinking like we do with other issues in therapy. They will try to maybe do like stop therapy. You see a stop sign, you stop your thoughts. They might even have like a rubber band. You snap it when you have a thought or ask yourself, does this make sense? Could this really happen? What's another way to look at it? For OCD, that will not help. (laughs) That will hurt. And that's why OCD is very confusing to mental health professionals and to parents and to those that suffer because everything that we do for literally almost any other mental health disorder or struggle will not work with OCD. Man, that sucks (laughs) because everything you know in your toolkit isn't going to work. It's like you've got a screwdriver, but you need a Phillips. And I really shouldn't use analogies around tools because I'm going to go off the deep end with my lack of knowledge, but you have to have a different tool, you know, and yeah, you'll use some of the other tools in that toolbox. Okay. I'm still going with this analogy apparently, (laughs) but you need a special tool. It's like when you get that cheap Ikea furniture, which I used to live and love for, and you have to have that Allen non-wrench or whatever. You're like, man, I need this, or I can't build all of this stuff. It's the exact same thing with OCD. You have to have a different tool because you don't want to talk to OCD. You don't want to rationalize with OCD. And you have to know that also for other, if your child's seeing a therapist and you are sitting in the session or your child tells you, that they're talking about what's the probability of that happening and 
does your thought make sense? And what is the likelihood? And when you have that thought, can you give yourself an alternative thought? Yikes, run. Because that's great CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, for anxiety, for literally probably everything else under the sun, but not for OCD. Because OCD is smart. And OCD, as I always say, is anxiety's bigger, better cousin. And OCD will say, thanks for talking to me. You know, come on in a little bit closer. Let's just keep this conversation going. Because the more we talk about this, the more I'm growing and I love it. And it doesn't mean that you can't talk about OCD. And I am going a little bit on a tangent. Sometimes parents misconstrue that. They say, well, I I don't know if my child's doing okay because I can't talk about the OCD. No, you can talk about the OCD. In fact, you want to talk about OCD. Opening up that communication is so important, but you don't want to rationalize and talk directly to OCD. So if your child says, oh my gosh, I don't know if you know, this cup has germs on it because three days ago I saw, you know, my little sister touch it and she's contaminated. And so I don't know. And then your mom says, honey, I've washed it three times in the dishwasher since your little sister touched it. So it's fine. Yikes. You just talked to OCD, not your daughter, right? Because OCD is just like, high five. We just did a compulsion together and I love you. You're wonderful. And we don't want that, right? I'm not going to go into how to treat and do all that. Obviously, I have a zillion podcasts on that. And you don't want to get your full education through my podcast anyway. You know, seek a local mental health professional. Apparently, they are very hard to find these days. Or take an online class. I have tons of them. You can go to my school at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Plenty of parents do not have access to therapists. They take an online class and eventually they get into therapy. And the therapist says, Wow, you know a lot. Were you a therapist or did you have training? And they'll be like, No, I just took a course. Yeah, you can learn that much. That's not what this is about today. So we focus on the C. We're focusing on the compulsions. We are teaching our kids, how do we reduce the compulsion? So when I have that itch, whether it's an intrusive thought or feeling or image, how do I reduce the itch to do what OCD wants me to do? So the only thing we're focusing on is what does OCD want you to do when you have that thought or feeling? And then how are you going to handle that discomfort? When you break it down into that simplistic way of looking at it, it seems so much easier, right? Because it's just like, oh, okay. So we're teaching our kids to sit in discomfort. In my online class, How to Teach Kids to Crush OCD, I talk about what I call the OCD game, which is we want to recognize it's OCD. So the first thing is our kids have to be as knowledgeable as us. When I work with kids in my therapy practice, they had to be a mini therapist. And that's what I'd say to them. I'm going to coach you to be your own therapist, because I don't want you living in therapy for the rest of your life. Not that it's a bad thing, but I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel like you can do this yourself. I want to teach you how to fish instead of fishing for you. (laughs) I totally slaughtered that. What is that? Teach you how to fish instead of giving you a fish, fish pole. (laughs) Okay. I won't even try to retrieve that one, but we want our kids to have portable skills. We want them to feel resilient. We want them to feel empowered We want them to be able to do these things for themselves. And it's a process. And the process starts with you and ends with them. And that's what I'm always preaching is you have to know as much as you possibly can about OCD. And I know that that can be boring because if you're not into psychology, that could be kind of boring. And I hate to say it that way because I know my daughter has celiac disease. And when she was first diagnosed, I was like, oh, I have to know as much as I can about celiac. And it really was boring because I'm not interested in learning about diseases. I was like, just give me the shortcut version. I actually searched for a celiac 
online course. And then I actually considered doing one, but it's not, it's not my wheelhouse because I just wanted someone to break it down and say to me, these are all the things she can eat. This is how you make a gluten-free house. Cause we're not being gluten-free for health reasons. We're not being gluten-free because you know, we're like this really nutritious aware family. I'm just being honest with you. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just telling you what we are. And so I was just like, this is so foreign to me. Just tell me how to do it. And there wasn't anything. And so I had to kind of grab my research because I knew I couldn't really depend on anyone to do it for me. It's even more so like that for OCD, because if I went to the doctor or maybe the doctor said, Hey, do you want to meet with the dietitian? Which he did offer. I could have taken him up on that and sat down and she probably could have educated me in a way that would have spoon fed me the information and it would have been solid. I would have trusted her and it would have been good to go. However, you can't always do that with OCD. You can't go to the mental health professional and just assume and psychiatrist, no offense to anyone who's a psychiatrist, but they're even worse as a whole. There are some fantastic psychiatrists that have taken it upon themselves to understand OCD, have gone to the International OCD Foundation and have taken trainings. There are some really good ones. I've met quite a few good ones, but on the whole, they don't. And so mental health professionals tend to do more trainings and stay more on top of things, but that's a generalization. So I take that back, but psychiatrists are fewer and far between. So it's harder to find them, you know, anyway, digging a deeper hole. But my point is a lot of mental health professionals, whether it's psychiatrists or therapists don't know. And so they could be giving you some really bad information. There's a lot of information out there of how OCD is caused. That's inaccurate scary information that is very blaming and shaming. And it can get you down a rabbit hole. You don't want to go down. So there's a really easy way to get out of that rabbit hole or not even fall into that rabbit hole. And it's to educate yourself. There are really good resources to educate yourself. This podcast included other really good podcasts included and online courses included really good books included. So find your way of learning and we learn, and then we teach our kids and we don't teach them in the way that we're doing something to them. We teach them like we are training them. I'm training my kids. They are fine-tuned ERP machines. It doesn't mean they're better. In fact, they hit bumps. There are times where I just want them to speed up and to get better, but I realize it's their journey, but I'm training them. I'm coaching them, but as I'm coaching, I'm training. I'm training them to be their own coach. And part of this is understanding the difference between obsessions and compulsions and how that plays into it. Because we're going to be focusing on their response to compulsions, not the flow and frequency of obsessions. A lot of times parents will say to me, Natasha, I don't think this is working. I'll be like, why? Well, because she's having a lot of these thoughts. I'm like, yeah, she's got OCD. Yeah. And she's been doing ERP, but she's having a lot of these thoughts. Well, she's only started ERP, right? Last week. How, how distressed is she when she has these thoughts? Well, she'll just tell me, mom, I'm having these thoughts still. And then she'll go and she'll go watch TV. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'll say, because what we're looking for is her ability to sit in discomfort. And so it's not about the flow and frequency of the intrusive thought or feeling. It is the ability to sit in the discomfort. And the ability to sit in the discomfort comes from recognizing and identifying what the compulsions are. Note to self, you're probably part of some of them. And that's why the space training is really good. I'm throwing a lot of resources at you today. And if you haven't heard of the space training, we'll just go on this tangent for a second. 
It is Ellie Leibowitz's approach to accommodations. And he wrote Breaking Free from Child Anxiety and OCD. It's a book that you can get. I actually had him on my podcast. That was episode 197. So listen to that. That's actually give you a really good introduction to the space program. But that's our part, right? What part are we doing to grow and maintain these compulsions? Because the C is your biggest focus. We can get hung up on the obsessions. We can get hung up on the intrusive thoughts or feelings. And they are important as far as I think understanding themes, because I don't want to miss a new obsession. I don't want to miss a new intrusive thought. And by the way, the O for OCD obsession and intrusive thought are synonymous. Intrusive thought, or maybe you have an intrusive feeling. That's all the O, right? So when I hear parents saying, my child has OCD, he has intrusive thoughts, or my child has OCD and you know he has his, his main issue is bad thoughts. It's like, okay, well, that's like 90% of people. And I'm just throwing the statistic. It's not a real statistic, but you know, it's like 90% of people with OCD. So the O in OCD is just that the first itch. It's the intrusive thought or feeling, right? And yeah, it's important in the sense that, oh, if I know that you know, one of your intrusive thoughts or one of like one of your big themes, I kind of call it like flavors, ice cream flavors. Maybe you've heard me use this analogy before. And I'll tell kids, you know, it's like Baskin Robbins. There's a million different flavors, but it's all ice cream. It's all cold, different than OCD. It's fun to eat. And so, but it's all ice cream, right? It melts, it feels the same, but they're different flavors. It's the same thing with OCD themes. They come and they go, they look different, but the foundation of it being ice cream is the same. It's an intrusive thought or feeling, and you have to do or avoid something to get brief relief. The more you do it, the bigger it grows. Boom. That's it. It helps to develop really good exposure. So if I know that you're worried about being a bad person and you especially worry about lying, we can sit here and do exposures around you lying. And all of our exposures, our ERP, exposure with response prevention, which is the gold standard approach to OCD. And if you are seeing an OCD therapist, they should be using the word ERP in And ERP is like a subset of CBT. Some people get stuck on that and they think, well, my therapist is saying CBT and I know that ERP is kind of a form of CBT. So I think we're good. And that, that could be really bad thinking because CBT, general CBT, general cognitive behavioral therapy without the ERP is going to probably reframe the child's thinking, which is fantastic for anxiety. But like I said before, is compulsive for OCD. So you want to hear the ERP part of that. And if you don't know what ERP is, I have a podcast on that too. And you can just go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com. Go scroll all the way down and I have a search button. And that really is the best way to find out all these topics. If I ever say anything and you're like, what is she saying? It's another acronym. Just go to my website, scroll down to the search button. I've been doing this for a really long time now. And so I've done things on literally every topic and you'll find it. But we want to use the information for the O you know, for what is the intrusive thought or feeling? Okay. And then we can develop really good exposures. And that is part of the C. We're going to trigger the OCD and it's going to make you want to do this compulsion. This is what ERP does, right? And then you're not going to do it. And you're going to sit in the discomfort. You're going to go to the OCD gym. That's what I call it. You're going to build up some muscles. And the more you do this, the more you're going to be able to tolerate the discomfort. And the way that I'm going to gauge how well things are going is not by how many intrusive thoughts or feelings you're having, but how well are you able to handle them? Are you able to manage them? 
Are you able to sit in discomfort? Are you able to function, enjoy yourself, live life? And OCD is taking like a back burner. That's the progress that we're looking for. And OCD will, you know, scramble and be like, man, they are hounding me. They aren't doing anything I'm saying. They're not following my rules. Sometimes they're even annoying me. They're like poking back and doing the opposite of what I want or even triggering me when I'm sleeping and I'm not even trying to bother them. And so I'm going to just try to give them a different theme. And so sometimes I call it OCD on the run when it's like whack-a-mole. Sometimes parents see that as a negative thing. Sometimes I see that as a positive thing because OCD can't get a grip. It can't hold on to something because you keep whacking it. We can use whack-a-mole in a positive way, right? You keep whacking it away. And so it has to go and try to find another avenue to upset your child. That's fantastic. But you can't do it. Only your child can. And I think that that's, um, I'm, well, by the time you're listening to this, I will have started to wrap up my self-care series. I do a self-care series twice a year and I do a survival tool series twice a year. So stay tuned, subscribe to my podcast. And you'll hear that I have these free series that come out every few months. And we were talking a lot. And a lot of times I think parents feel like it's their responsibility to, to not only learn this. And that part is true. It is your responsibility to learn this. But then I think sometimes we take it one step further and we say, and now it's my responsibility to fix it. And that's been a big topic in the self-care series with the parents in my self-care Facebook group, which is temporary. So it's probably closing now, but is the ownership that we take for our kids might be a good podcast topic in and of itself is this responsibility that we put on ourselves that say, I need to fix this. I need to rid my child of their anxiety or OCD. And if I don't, I'm a bad parent. I'm not going to go into that because I actually think that'd be a really good topic. I did do a topic on compassion fatigue when we, we don't want to talk about this. So I'll just warn you when we don't like our child, when we're so burnt out that we have no more empathy in us for their anxiety or OCD. And maybe we're even privately feeling like we don't even like them. Every human being has those experiences and especially parenting kids with anxiety and OCD, you're allowed to have those human thoughts and feelings. And I did a whole episode on that. I'll tell you what number it was. That was actually a very popular episode. And I was not expecting that because that was just something that someone asked me to do. And I thought, I'll do it. I don't know how many people are going to want to listen to it. And it has been by far like one of the most popular episodes. Let's say what episode was that? It was episode 213. When you hit compassion fatigue with your child's anxiety or OCD, check that out. Sorry, I'm throwing you a lot of episodes today. Sometimes I get into this mode where I'm like just throwing resources at people. And other times I'm so tired, I can barely function. And I'm just dragging myself to the mic. (laughs) Today, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little bit more awake. Maybe it's because it's early. I was supposed to actually be getting a massage this morning. I have a very bad back. And my daughter, my youngest daughter, who has celiac, we already talked about that. I think I fed her something last night that didn't say it had gluten in it. It's a good example for OCD too, right? Labeling is not dependable when you have a child who can't have gluten because gluten and wheat are not the same thing. And so there's a lot of ingredients that are not wheat that are still gluten. And FDA does not require people to write that in their packaging. It's not considered an allergy that they have to write. Although somewhere, I think some, I got some notification that it's going to 
were trying to pass a bill where they would actually include that, but that's way off this topic. And I can't depend on packaging. So just like you can't depend on a mental health professional to necessarily understand OCD, I have to know the ingredient. I actually have on my phone a little cheat sheet of all like the different ingredients that can show up that would be gluten and educate myself. Soy sauce, I didn't realize until I had a kid that soy sauce is not gluten-free or most syrups, maple syrups, not gluten-free. These are things that you would not think about necessarily And it's the same thing with, you know, a mental health professional. You think, hey, the packaging, you know, they say that they're a mental health professional, but they may not know about OCD. So anyway, she's home today because she was having some sharp pains in her stomach. And so my morning got free. And so I was like, I'll just record the podcast early. And look, I have so much more energy when I do that because I really have a very finite amount of energy these days, but it is getting better. So I hope that you understand the difference now between obsessions and compulsions. Are we solid? (laughs) Maybe you already understood it, but maybe you didn't realize that the C is really what you need to be focusing on and not the O. Um, And we have to tell our kids that too, because sometimes they will get disillusioned and they'll say, mom, I've been doing ERP for a while now. And you know, I'm still having these intrusive thoughts. And we need to tell our kids what you're doing. When you do ERP, what you're doing is you're learning how to sit with discomfort. And it's good to also generalize and tell them how their ability to sit with discomfort purposely trigger their fears or their themes or their anxiety, or they're just intrusive images and not do something to reduce that distress is going to create resiliency for everything in their life, not just OCD for everything. And I've been having that conversation with my kids lately. And I've talked about this in the podcast recently too, is that resiliency is great. It's going to help them. And that's why we get to show up And we get to say, hey, I'm your coach and I'm coaching to train you so that you can be your own coach. And so there is a difference too. I'm not coaching you to just play this game, you know, go and use your OCD skills. I'm coaching you to do this yourself. And so we pull back as our kids progress. We say, what exposure should you do? We say, what do you think you should do? Did you spot a new theme? That's for you to focus on, right? It's not my deal. I'm here to support you, to support yourself. And that's when we raise really resilient kids because we're on a journey with them. We have to do our part. And our part is not just sending them to a therapist. Trust me, I wish it was because that would be so easy, right? Just, you know, and and we can do that with some issues. You know, if you're having trauma, yeah, you can go to a trauma therapist and really work through it in therapy. And yeah, I mean, the family will have to support you for sure, but you're going to get that skilled therapist to really work with you. OCD, and I don't know because I'm not a trauma therapist. So if someone's a trauma therapist, I may not know what I'm talking about. So ignore that. But with OCD, it's rampant and it's going to involve me on so many levels, so much deeper than other things. And so I have to show up and do my part. I cannot be an observer when I'm raising a child with OCD because OCD will not let you. It just won't let you, you know? So we have to show up. We have to be educated. And if you you know, want to get the cliff notes version of it, read a book, you know, listen to these podcasts. I am a, I, I soak up information in a passive way. So I am definitely like an auditory learner. And so I love audible and I like, I just, I soak up books through my ears and I learn that way. And so find the way that you learn and soak that up. But then remember that your job is then to disseminate that to your child in a way that you're teaching and not doing. 
And so sometimes I will have parents say, when he wants to do a compulsion, I just won't let him. I'll hold him back. I'll punish him. And I don't get that a lot, not a lot of the punishing, but a lot of like the physical holding back or I just won't let him do it. And that's not ultimately how we want to train our kids. We want to empower them. And they're not robots. They're not little machines. And so it's not like they're like little puppets that we get to control and say, we're going to remove all the soap and then you're just never going to have soap. And so you won't be able to wash your hands. That's great for a little while. And sometimes we do have to do that because that's our part in the role is who's providing the soap. But down the road, we want to say, here's a little bit of soap as you improve. Can you control yourself? Can you sit with the discomfort when it's available? We're we're always progressing because we always want to get to the point where they are the one in charge and they're the ones learning how to sit in the discomfort. If we don't allow them to sit in the discomfort or we're afraid to trigger them in a therapeutic sort of way, um, not in a random sort of way, then we don't get to build those muscles. They don't get to build those muscles because they're not our muscles actually to build. (laughs) Okay. Well, I hope you found this podcast episode helpful. As always, if you do, if you hit a start on iTunes or wherever, there's a million places now to consume this podcast, but if there's a place to rank it or rate it, I appreciate it when you do that. Leaving a comment is even better because people read those comments and I appreciate them. And to show my gratitude, I always like to end the show reading one of them. So I do want to thank Ark Gajan who wrote a must listen. Parents who think their child may have anxiety, ADHD, or OCD, this is a must listen. I appreciate you taking the time to write that. And maybe if you write a review, I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to check out my AT Parenting community at atparentingcommunity.com. If you feel like you're getting a lot from my podcast, you should see what you get in the membership. It is like me on steroids and it's not a one woman show. There are over a thousand parents in that community and they are super supportive to each other. And so everybody gets something different from the AT Parenting community. It's a membership that you join, you subscribe, and there's so much in it that you don't have to absorb everything. Some people just want the community and they want other parents that have, you know, or that are raising kids with anxiety and OCD and they want that small group. And so, you know, there's a Facebook group that goes with it. But even if you don't like Facebook, I would have to say one third of our members are not even on Facebook. And so some people love the Facebook aspect of it. Other parents, they love the monthly support group. They want to show up and see other people. And some members are just private. We never see them. Um, They don't want the community part of it. They are soaking up the resources. They are taking my online classes for free because they get one of them for free. They also get the difficult behavior class for free. They get my space training for free. They get my sensory anxiety class for free. So you don't get all my classes for free, but you get almost all of them for free, actually. It's a bit ridiculous. And then they get my live classes. And so even if you're not on Facebook, we have a member-only website, and I upload all those classes. And well, actually, Ayla, the AT Parenting Community Manager, uploads them. And so we have, I think, over 80 in our library, maybe even more, of these classes. And we have a search button. So if you're having an issue with moral OCD. You just type in moral OCD and boom, all the resources that are on the member website will pop up. And some people really like the forums. And so there's a forum on the member website that is kind of like a bulletin board. So if you're not into Facebook, but you want support, you can go in there. And I am not in Facebook because I really am not a fan of Facebook. So I only go in there 
once a week, do my office hours, my virtual office hours, answer questions, and do my class. But the forums, I will answer within 24 hours. So people get direct access to my support in there. And some people literally only sign up just for that. In fact, when I closed my practice in February after my husband died, a lot of the families that I had worked with, they just joined my community and they continue to get my support actually through my forums. You know, they have, hopefully a lot of them have their other therapists locally, but they still have access to me and they still have that support in a non-therapy role because I'm not a ther- I'm not their therapist anymore. But I hope you will join me and I hope to see you over there. It does close in just two days. So if you are thinking about it, it won't reopen again for um, whatever, August. So maybe not until the very end of the year. So go to atparentingcommunity.com, check it out. You can learn more from there. And I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 